1: And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That is Mark Immelman. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. And gentlemen, we have convened at the conclusion of the second round at the 148th Open Championship at Royal Portrush. We've got J.B. Holmes and Shane Lowry up in the lead at eight under par. We've got just a major champions abound within a handful of strokes of the pace uh, as we go into the weekend action. We've got superstars that are not there. But almost in the to try and capture our immediate thoughts, uh, gentlemen, I I want to start with Northern Ireland's own Rory McElroy, who thrilled the fans with a sixty-five, tied for best round of the day. It was a it was an effort to try and make the cut after a disastrous seventy-nine. And so uh So, so Mark, I'll I'll go with you first. What did you make of Rory's effort? uh, And what does it ultimately mean for McIlroy, a player who, you know, we talked about it going in. He's the betting favorite. Uh, He's got all the hometown love or the home country love that's going to be there for him. You know, does this make uh, a 2019 season that has otherwise been successful? Does it, you know, leave it with a little bit of a bad taste in his mouth?
2: Well, uh, to your question, Chip, I, I think what it makes for McElroy first off, is, is is the legend, in my opinion, grows. Because even with the gigantic misstep in round one where just about everything went well or, or the wrong way, the, the bookend quadruple bogey and triple bogey at the beginning of the end of the round, everything was going awry. You know, he could have slunk away from the media, but he got up there manfully, answered every question, did his due diligence as the, if you if you will, the quote-unquote representative of this event in Northern Ireland, then comes back today, just, you know, shows who the true Rory McIlroy is. And, and the one thing about this golf, and it's what Rory has talked about throughout this 2019 season, which has been one for the books, he's talked about his P's, the poise, the the perspective, and the patience. Um, you know, I'll add to that, you know, just the preparation and the perseverance also. Those are my two P's. But, you know, the 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 perspective he took from round one going – well, you know, this is just golf, and sometimes it's got this horrible habit of handing you what you don't want at the wrong time. That's what happened, but it didn't keep him down. You know, he, he came out, played beautifully today. I mean, what a spectacular round. And, and my colleague, I'll the second, Cal, he said that, it, in his opinion, made Friday afternoon – just a, a, an absolute barn burner and it made what could be a, a mundane afternoons golf on television very exciting. So for me, the legend grows and I don't feel like it has any bearing whatsoever on how we're going to um, grade McElroy at the end of this 2019 calendar year.
3: Yeah. As you know, Chip, Friday afternoon, it's time to it's time to empty the coffee pot. <laughs> it's time to you know, whatever else you need to do to, to get it cranking. So, I mean, it's, it's, you're just dying because you've been out for f- 30 hours watching golf over the last couple of days. And he just juiced the whole thing with yeah. 31 on the back to make, to try and make the cut. I mean, it was a, some, I think, ter, I think Mike Tirico said like, it's like a Ryder cup out here. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was crazy. I got a great tweet, by the way, this is from, uh, this guy uh, at the Nate 89. He said, <laughs> he said, Man, I would kill I would kill to see three or four players at plus one line up at the scores table, turn in their cards and say I signed an incorrect scorecard <laughs> Spartacus style to bring Rory back for Saturday.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know what what I want to add to that is, um in the Masters, there's the ten stroke rule still. Yeah. And that's part of the the 36 hole cut so at the Masters if you're within 10 of the lead ship you play on the weekend because the great the Hall of Fame Bob Jones um, also Open champion believed that if you were within 10 with 36 holes to go you had a chance to win still and and, and Rory is within 10 because the lead's only sitting at eight under so if if, if if he happened, if it was a case, and they're fans and butts and you all know the whole story, uh, I still think that this 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 thing would have been on. Uh, but that being said, anyone within ten, in my opinion, still has a shot at this title.
3: Well, and, well, and he went. Go ahead. He went in t- in 2010. He went 63.80 at St. Andrews and f- ended up finishing T three behind Louis Oosthuizen. So it's not like he hadn't done it before. It was kind of the inverse of that. But also, last year, I I think Justin Rose made the cut by like one last year. Like he was just inside the cut line. And he ends up uh, finishing
2: T2 behind Molinari. So like a fifth footer on the last hole, I think, to make the cut last year. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, It's also for McElroy's form, you know, every stroke counts the same. Every hole counts the same. But when 35 of those holes uh, are... Are played under par, and then you've got a quadruple bogey on your first hole of the championship. It's very hard to walk away from those thirty-six holes feeling as though something is wrong with this game.
2: Oh, yeah, you know, you, you know, the quadruple bogey and the rough finish on 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 day one, you can sort of forgive that. Although, you know, they are huge numbers. What for me I think was the unforgivable error for Rory because he battled back from that, but then on sixteen, the par three in round one was just off the edge of the green, pitched it up there and then took three putts from about six feet, I think. Uh, And and one of those was a miss from about a foot and a half, which he sort of casually stepped up and trying to just bump the ball in and it lipped out. So, you know, there'll be a lot to rue, I think, in the McElroy camp this evening, but that one certainly, that'll sting because that was effectively the cut.
3: I think I think Rory buys himself a lot of grace from people like us. Um, I don't know how many people saw his post-round interview, but it was it was unbelievable. I mean, he was so he was just vulnerable in a way that you don't see from anybody, much less professional athletes. And I think he buys himself a lot of grace with that because if this was somebody else, maybe we would say, "Look, don't go out and make a eight on the first hole." But we sort of excuse it away a little bit with him, or at least I do. And, and I think that other people do as well because we give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think, like, I mean, look, the other thing is he can talk about how just just another open, just another event. Like, no, this is way different. And it looked to me, I watched a lot of Rory golf. It looked to me like he was feeling something on Thursday like he would just he just looked like off like he just didn't look like he normally does when he's playing a golf tournament and I think that I don't know the, the Northern Ireland thing I think had a, a lot to do with what went down on on Thursday morning how do we wrestle?
1: Um, so, for the, the headline is historic, Kyle. It's, you know, 83 major championships have started with Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, uh, both uh, among the many competitors, but none of those prior to Royal Port Rush had both of those players, both of those Hall of Fames, both of two of the sports greatest uh, fall short and miss the cut at the same time. Can you pair them outside of the historical, um, you know, the, the historical anomaly or do they feel like two separate efforts and results for you?
3: Uh, two separate for me. Cause for me, like I go back to 16 with Phil at Troon and he, I mean, he hadn't done anything since then. And Tiger won the masters this year. And, you know, I think that, I mean, Phil, like, I, I don't I hate to say this but like he might be done at majors mm. like this like that it's it's I think it's I think it's like over and I think it was I think Truon like I think in 15 years if we're looking back we might I think we'll probably look at Troon and be like that was it like that was the last one and with Tiger I don't I don't think maybe this is true but I don't think we'll look at Augusta and say that was it that was the last one maybe we will but it does it feels like there's more left in the tank there, I think. I'm not positive, but that's just sort of where I'm at right now.
2: Well, in my opinion, that's what makes our game so great because nobody knows for sure. And I hear what you're saying, Carl Carl and I agree, but but I just want to toss this one out there. Um they both advanced in years. Tiger's 43, you know, going on 44, I would say chronologically. uh, Physically, the body is certainly older, given all of the surgeries and the back surgeries and the Achilles and the knee and and such. And Phil was speaking of his detox before this week, because he's, (laughs) what, 49 now and and closing in on 50. And and the truth of it is, coming from a 48-year-old guy, guys, you you, you guys are aware of this, you know, you just aren't the same and you're competing against youngsters. and, And Fields are getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and their players sprouting up all over the place, you know, uh, from all ports and all corners of the globe, too. So it's just a different deal uh, um, in terms of what the events are. They're not the young bucks anymore, they're the veterans, they're the elder statesmen, although to the world, they're still the heroes. Um, but the truth of it is, I think you can pair them in a funny sort of a way because they're both advanced in age, and, and and in the end, that is a really tough hurdle to have to cross, especially when you're playing against Dustin Johnson, Brooks Koepka, jo- Rory McIlroy, all these guys who are at the height of their powers and young and fit.
3: Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like with Phil, if Phil, if Phil like walks into a, a major right now and sees Kepka hitting balls, and it's like, well, what what am I? What are we doing here? You know, like what's well, it's just, and and that's true of a lot of guys, I'm sure. You know, and and look, like anything can happen, right? Like Phil can go out and win the Masters next year, but there's just a it, the the ceiling or, or like the lid at the top right now with like three or four guys. You're just like, I don't, I don't know, like
2: what I have to do this week to to play with these guys. Well, that is the truth. I mean, and and I think you know, to bounce away from that conversation. Uh, Jordan Spieth for argument's six. I, I didn't even mention Justin Thomas, who's their good buddies, and Ricky Fowler and these youngsters. You know, They have effectively um, begun to change the way the game is played, and Dustin Johnson, Brooks, and Rory, certainly the same way. Jason Day, the ball goes harder. It goes farther. The style of game management is different. And so as a result, even if someone like a Spieth comes in bringing their best stuff, they're just competing on, on, on different playing fields and getting back to yeah. target. Well, to your observation, Kyle, it respectfully of these two Hall of Fame legends, it is a different playing field right now.
1: Mark, what do you make of Jordan Spieth's showing through 36 holes? And uh, was it something that you felt like, you were able to to see uh coming into this where based on the play that we had seen based on some of the comments that we'd had from jordan spieth we know he was working we know that he felt at different times in this season that he was very close to putting it all together the open championship is a place where he's not only been a winner but also been a contender several Mm -hmm. times is this something that you think is tied specifically to this major championship or do you think by the end of 72 holes, we're going to feel like uh, we've got a new look at where Jordan
2: Spieth is after you know going through the pits here for a little bit? You know, Chip, that's a really good question, and it's one that Carl and I wrestled with earlier this week. Um, the thing about the Open is it mitigates certain things. Like with the slower, more receptive greens, unless it's fiery and we knew it was going to be slow this week, it, it, it sort of takes away the real skill on the greens because the ball's not going to run away from you. So touch is not as required. It's still required, but not as much as what it would be at Augusta National or Oakmont or somewhere. So there's that angle, you know, when it comes to the putting. But we both thought that Port Rush and the demands it placed off the tee were going to trip someone who was battling with the driver up. But, yes, Jordan Spieth, uh, so he hides this cape somewhere. The guy's barely hit a fairway through two rounds, and he's six at the par. In fact, he said as much. He's like, the score I put together, given where I was playing from, was incredible, and that was his words. So I I think the Open allows Jordan to play golf and not golf swing because when you've got a wind blowing across you and rain in your face and such, you know, the golf swing thing goes out the window and it becomes more just um, sort of an – urban, I've got to get the ball and the whole mindset. And that's where, when Spieth is good, when he can be imaginative and be creative and he can show off those skills with a wedge. So, you know, I'm, I, I, I didn't see it coming, but am I somewhat surprised? Sure. Am I waiting for one wide golf ball off the tee that in the next 36 holes <laughs> might cost him? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, but you never know. I mean, he has got the chops. And, and the one thing about Spieth, when he's proved bar one time, every other time when he's been in contention he will find a way to close so uh, one thing's for certain i'm going to be glued to the television as as we come down the 36 hole stretch here i
3: i think he's wide enough right now off the tee that like he he can put it in places where there's not too much gorse there's not too <laughs> much junk i mean he's hit he's hit the it, it's kind of crazy right like he's hit 39% of fairways That's and a- The field average is at 59. The leader is JB Holmes at 86. Yeah, that's that is crazy for a long hitter, man. That was good. Yeah, so I mean, that's yeah, and we'll talk about him in a minute. But that's why he's leading, just fairway and green, fairway and green. But with Spieth, I, I don't know. It feels I feel like every time I talk about him, I say this, and I I picked him as one of my nine guys that I thought could win. I I don't know why I did that, but wait for the weekend. uh, Is that what's coming? Wait for the weekend. Well, I was going to say it just feels unsustainable. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just, like, you look at his score and you're like, okay, well, Holmes is right there, Kepka's right there, but it feels like those guys are doing it a lot differently than Speeth is doing it. Kepka's just, Kepka's just two-putt par, two-putt par, and Speeth is like an eagle, three birdies, you know, 20-footer for bogey. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot
2: scarier of a ride. Well, you know what? I I agree with you so much. And that's a very well-founded point. And I'll hearken to Lee Trevino, Open champion. And he's like, you know, there are two things that don't last. Dogs that chase cars – and pros the chip and putt for pars, and, and, and golf yeah. is a game of probability, and the way Holmes and Larry are hitting it Flootwood, westwood, you know, these guys, Rose, Kepka, are putting the ball in position, and they're allowing pars to come to them. They're not working hard for pars, and and I'm with you in a way, Carl. and I hope Jordan's not listening to this. I'm, I'm sort of waiting for the wide ball that turns into a big number, sadly, but you never know. I mean, golf is str- – stranger things have happened.
1: Coming up on the other side, what we think of the leaders so far. Will they be able to hold on to it? Who we think might be able to finish as the champion golfer of the year? And, of course, our perfect finish brought to you by Amstel Light. All that, next.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month Workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that. Needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the Men's Sunday Performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky. As, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for, for our listeners. Uh, first-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, Not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out, viore.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.
1: You know, it is uh, difficult sometimes because we we talk about Rory, we get through Tiger, Phil, Spieth, and oh yeah, by the way, as uh, it was just hinted at prior to the break, j. b. Holmes and Shane Lowry are the ones that are leading this championship after thirty six holes. I mean, but so I, the the challenge then is where is y'all's confidence level to be that they're going to be able to close this thing out?
3: Well, if you watch the shot that that uh, Lowry hit in eighteen, you'd say it's about zero right. I mean, he hit like the the fattest approach I've ever seen into eighteen on Friday. But look I think I think they both have staying power. I really do. I think with Holmes, it's just his tee to green stuff is so good right now I mean eighty five percent of of fairways, eighty percent of greens in regulation it's just so stress free. you're not bringing double and triple into play now whether that can last at a place like Port Rush, I mean who knows that that the course has been unbelievable this week. I, we can talk about it more later, but it's it's just been awesome. And then with Lowry, I think, I think emotionally it will be more difficult for him. But if he can get on the right side of it, I think that can carry him a little bit. Now, if you get on the wrong side of it, it can. we saw that with Rory on Thursday. It can kind of unwind in a hurry. But I don't know. I'm really excited about Lowry's chances. He's, he's a really good player. He's won a WGC. He's won all over, over Europe. I, I'm kind of I'm feeling him contending and, and uh,
2: possibly winning at the end. I'm with you there, you know, he's uh, the last few years at the Open has missed cuts and so there isn't that going for him, but you know, that's the one thing about golf. It's not played on paper. It's played on grass. And he's clearly got this whole thing in Ireland figured out, having won the Irish Open on a Lynx golf course. I, I, I hearken back to the win that you referenced, the World Golf Championships, the the, the Bridgestone event at Fire, at Firestone, the South course, which is tremendously demanding, and you cannot fake it around there. And you have to hit all the shots, and he did and, and, and had the big victory over there. So for Lowry... He plays the game with an easy sort of a grace about him. The golf swing's uh, unencumbered, I would describe it. And so he's going to just let it go and play, and he will be riding the, the, the support of the gallery. Of that, there's no doubt. As far as J.B. Holmes goes, he's won on difficult golf courses. And I go back to earlier this year at uh, at Riviera. It was difficult. It was cold. It wasn't pleasant at all. There were crosswinds everywhere. The greens were fast and shiny and bumpy. And he just outlasted everyone. So he has staying power. So, you know, this is a major. It's different, certainly. Um, and there are all sorts of emotions and and those things that can creep into the psyche. But, but both of these guys, I, I, I think they're going to take some beating. I really do.
1: Who among that group up around the top 10. And, and by the way, we have not even, you know, mentioned Brooks Kepka, one of the best major golf competitors in, in, in the modern game right now, you know, who's where, where's your, uh, maybe not necessarily your pick to win, but where uh, maybe Mark first, where's your intrigue in terms of a player that you're going to be very, very following very closely in addition to Jordan Spieth, as we await that wide shot off the tee that leads to a big number.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Easy now, no, no. Look, uh, jo- Jordan Spieth is intriguing to me because he's the kind of guy that can turn around at any time. So I'll be watching him closely. Obviously, Brooks Kepka, you have to give this guy some respect. Personally, um, I, I, I'm going to be watching Justin Harding. You know, fellow fellow countryman, he's put together a fantastic season or well, fantastic year or so over the last twelve months to vault up into the the leading players in the world's top fifty. But but for me, the two English guys are catching my attention, Fleetwood and Westwood. Uh, I picked Fleetwood in the beginning of the week, and he's doing everything I expected him to. But Lee Westwood, man, I, I, I am so hopeful that this guy does it, because it'll be this year's Darren Clark story to me. You know, it's, it's a guy that hasn't won the major, a guy that should have won a few majors, a guy that's one of the stalwarts and the oldest statesman on the European tour, and... You know, apart from a McElroy or a Larry Wynn, I think if Westwood pulls this off, that'll be all of the golf world, including everybody in the locker room, would celebrate, Kyle.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. You got three South Africans up there, by the way, and none of them are Oostezen, are, uh, which is crazy.
2: Well, yeah, there's a, there's a talented group of kids coming through there, too. I mean, Eric van Royen is a really sound player. Sadly, he's taking more grief for his trousers now than what he is for his game.
1: <laughs>
2: Fratelli's all been good. I mean, he, he's, he was a star in college, came up and... and, and almost lost his game. I mean, it. was. It, it, he fell into the doldrums physically and, and the game sort of went missing and And consulted with his longtime mentor, um, Gavin Levinson down in South Africa and Gary Player also. And, and he's worked hard and he's came up hard scrabble to be back where he is. And now with a win last week at the John Dare, I mean, he must have all sorts of confidence going on. And it's a real flat penetrating ball flat. So he, I don't think he goes away either.
3: Yeah, I, I'm with you on the Westwood thing. That would be... I mean, there's there's a lot of super compelling stories uh, outside of, you know, even Kepka getting to five uh, between Westwood, Fleetwood. Obviously, we mentioned Lowry's compelling. Justin Rose is right there. I, I kind of look at the uh, the T-18s. And, and here's the deal. like So the leaders tee off at uh, 3.50 local time. And the T-18s are at, like, they're like an hour and a half earlier. And so what could happen in that time, is just like they might finish up. You might get wind, rain. Who knows? Like they might, they might post something a little bit. Like they're they're far enough back or far enough ahead, I guess, of the leaders that they could get in and and, and get in on a, a decent number. But the, it's like okay, so it's DJ, Terrell Hatton, Webb,
2: <laughs> Man, uh, good calls, yeah, Shoffley Stinson,
3: yeah, Stinson Shoffley and and Fowler. Mm -hmm. and that's a group where it's like man i could see somebody going like 66 tomorrow and getting themselves into the final pairing
1: Mm. who do you think Uh, might might do it
3: uh rom and reed are paired together by the way ahead of them that's an awesome pairing uh i don't know i mean i've been talking all week about how port rush is really like we say this at a lot of majors, but it's really elevating great ball strikers. So I don't, maybe DJ. DJ was six, shot sixty-seven on on Friday.
2: I would, I'd go there, and 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 I'd keep close tabs on Henrik Stenson. Yeah. Beautifully um, last week. He, the game seems to be running into form. And Henrik, you know, you've heard of Mr. October in baseball. Well, to me, Henrik Stenson is, you know, Mr. late, um, late uh, early, late August, September guy because he's <laughs> FedEx Cup. He starts showing up at this time of the year and obviously won his open at Trune just a few years ago. So Stenson at three under par. Uh, that's a good call by you because the weather is just so capricious. I mean, it can change in the blink of an eye.
1: What about the course itself? Um, how have y'all you know, this we all we have had in terms of the Open Championship? You know, 1951 can't really take much from that. Uh, even the 2012 Irish Open, there's you know, there've been some changes and some adjustments, and there I think there was a lot of. Uh, not necessarily full guesswork but there wasn't the kind of regular uh course history data that we were able to take into consideration in the same way that we do with uh some of the other courses in the open championship rotation so what have been uh y'all's thoughts so far about royal port rush
3: i think it's awesome five is unbelievable uh six is great the the thing that i sort of uh, keyed in on, I took a, I wrote a note about this. So three of the four hardest holes so far are 14, 16, and 18. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think you're getting yourself into a deal where it's like, okay, well, even if somebody's up like two or three going to the last five holes, uh, I- anything can happen. I mean, you can make anything on 16. Like you, I mean, Rory made a two there. You can yeah. make an eight there. I mean, it is it, crazy. And then you know, 17 uh, is fun because you can – it's kind of alluring. Like, you think you can drive it, but I don't know if you can unless you have a lot of a wind help. And then, obviously, 18 is really tough. So, I, I think the closing stretch has been a lot of fun. But I just think – I think there's, like, these really small things about port rush, like the uneven lies. And you see this a lot in, in Lynx golf, but just some of the – and I think that's part of the reason Spieth is playing well. He loves those hanging lies. Like, he loves – uh, capalua, he loves Augusta and he's, he's hit the ball a lot better this week in terms of
2: approach shots than, than, uh, I think he has the rest of the year. For me, Chip, I think the golf course, and this is with respect to everybody in the field because it's an achievement just to make it to the open. I think Royal Port Rush has been the star of the week thus far. It, it has been put forth in beautiful condition. It challenges every department of the game. It deals with weather so well because we had that heavy, heavy rain squall that rolled through two of them on, on Thursday, and that thing was dry in the blink of an eye. So it drains really well. The course is in great shape. It's asked the players... Um, you know, every question they need to be asked. And the cool thing about it for me is, well, it's easy with a microphone in front of my face and no golf club in my hand, is that it's going to reward a good shot and it's going to penalize a bad shot. And we have seen this time and time again where if you just get on the wrong side of things, you've got to be very careful. So it asks you to be strategic, it asks you to manage yourself well, it asks you to pick the right shot, to make putts when you need to. And the guys who are at the top of the leaderboard, they've not fallen there by mistake. Everybody has played well. There's no also-rans at the top of the leaderboard right now, and so I think the course has been the star, I really do.
1: And now it's time for our perfect finish brought to you by Amstel Light. Each and every week, we try and uh, conjure up what would be the perfect finish to a Sunday afternoon, and now with our attention on the Open Championship at Royal Portrush, the fourth major of the season, uh, the stakes are as high as they possibly could be. Mark Emmelman, Kyle Porter, I'm Chip Patterson, and, and as we try to <clears throat> conjure up what the perfect finish would be, uh, Kyle, you first, what, what would be your perfect finish to this weekend's Open Championship?
3: Oh, there's so many to choose from. I mean, the the Westwood thing is so compelling. Uh, John Rahm and Terrell Hatton in the final pairing on Sunday, just losing their minds, is compelling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the young the young American deal, like Xander, and I guess Fowler's not really that young anymore. But there's just so so many compelling things. But to me, I got to go. I got to go Shane Lowry. Uh, he won, I think it was the Irish Am. Sean Martin was tweeting about this and he just went berserk. Like he just, he was so happy and so excited to have won the Irish Am. This was back in like 07 or something like that. And he just, he celebrated like, I've never seen anybody celebrate like that. So I want him to win the Open, recreate that celebration and uh, take us. Into the major off season for a, a nine month stretch, and for Northern Ireland to run
2: out of Guinness, right? <laughs> <I>
3: mean,
2: <laughs> uh, you know what? It, in my opinion, I, I love the Shane Lowry story, Chip, but, but, I, but I, I hinted at this earlier. I'm going to go with Lee Westwood. He, he's got a real piece about him, and in my opinion, if there's anything he's learned it's been acceptance. You know, there's so many times he's come up one stroke shy or been the bridesmaid and he's probably the most experienced Lynx golf player in the in the field and he said in an interview after the round today and this caught my attention because I'd like to talk with him after the tournament in case he, if, if he does indeed win and he said, look, I literally don't care anymore. He goes, I've seen this all. I'm going <laughs> on vacation next week. He goes, I'm playing golf and it's all going to be the same. Well, I want to see Lee Westwood win, and then I want to ask him afterwards. So when it was coming down the stretch, and you had a one-stroke lead. Did you care? Because I guarantee you the 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 blood will be pumping, the adrenaline will be surging, and the senses will be heightened. So I'm pulling for Lee Westwood, one of the gentlemen of the game and, and, and one of the most deserving golfers, in my opinion, in world's golf still. And
1: that has been our perfect finish brought to you by Amstel Light. Amstel Light it's the beer with the perfect finish. It's perfect at the end of the round uh, for its balance, its finish, its refreshing, its Amstel light, the perfect finish. All right, gentlemen, we've got our leaders at eight under. Uh, our cut was at uh, one over. What do we think the winning number is going to be at this point? Knowing that, you know, as we've mentioned, weather could turn in a second uh, at any point, you know, what do we think that the winner is going to be finishing at?
3: I think 13 is pretty good. 12, 13, something like that. I mean, I don't know, like if we get the, the thing like Friday morning or whatever, I don't know what, I, I don't even know what time it is. Like, I don't know what time zone I'm in, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> whatever, What I, when I was watching, when I woke up on Friday, whatever time that was, it was so just, there was just nothing. Like it looked, it looked awesome. And so if that happens, I mean, you could see like, I don't know, up to 15, but if, I don't know if, if I'm on the leaderboard and somebody gives me 13 right now, like I, I'm taking it. I'm in. Let's do that.
2: Wow. That's, you know what? I, I think 13 is high. I, I really do because the weather will have an influence. I, I'm not sure of the weather forecast. I was trying to have a look at it, but I couldn't get there in time. I, I honestly right now would take, oof, I would take 11 under par. I really do. That means over the final 36, the leaders have got to shoot th- three under or better. And and there's going to be a tightening up factor. Um, in behind them, Fleetwood and such. That means they've got to get, you know, another four out right over 36 holes. And the chase pack will just make this thing interesting because I'm going 11 with 12 guaranteed. Because if you just hit one bad shot, we've seen what happens with McElroy and company over there. So, so, so I'll take 11 with 12 being outright. Well, gentlemen, it's
1: been an exciting 36 holes so far. Very excited to uh, continue uh, the coverage both here on the First Cut Podcast, CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com. We've got it covered for you. That's Mark Immelman. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. Gentlemen, enjoy the rest of the weekend of golf.
3: Thanks, Chip.
2: Appreciate you. Take care.